Hello and welcome to this NASGP podcast. I'm Richard Fieldhouse. And I'm Sarah Chambers. And we're talking today about the Royal College of GP's latest 2016 guide for appraisal and revalidation which has just been published and Sarah you've uh, had a a read of this and and have become quite excited by it. Um, Well yes yeah excited that's a good word. It certainly is uh, refreshing. Um, I've looked at the previous versions um, to help with my own appraisal but also in the development of NASGP's appraisal aid and so I've seen sort of two or three previous versions, the last one being in 2014. And it's refreshing to see that this document, which I've got here in front of me, is a good half the size of, of the previous versions and um, is, is, is very nicely laid out. It's very concise uh, and brief. And yeah, so that is exciting. I think they make very clear uh, in the headlines in the introduction that they've really as we approach sort of march 2016 when most doctors all of us really will have been revalidated they the college carried out uh, a big survey last year on on the experience of revalidation and um what came from that uh, was that and this perhaps won't be a surprise to many of us um is that the the uh, the work of preparing for appraisal uh, had perhaps become uh disproportionate and and burdensome so i think this 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 document isn't a major rework but it is seeking to bring clarity onto some things to make it simpler for people i think there was also a recognition and we've certainly heard this from members and in our own experience with our locum colleagues working across um different patches that there's there's often a worrying tendency for differing interpretations of what's required for appraisal and validation to be placed on doctors which can make it more onerous for some doctors and in our experience particularly locums and sessional gps when it comes to things like quality improvement for instance so this 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 document it just feels like a really refreshing back to basics this is what we have to do now. And um, I think it's going to be useful, yeah. Good. And, 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 and in terms of... Uh, so, so it's not a complete turnaround or anything. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shortening, a simplification. Um, uh, and, and, and there's some few, few sort of nice um, um, things they've done to it. What, 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 what stands out for you? Well, they, yeah, as you say, so it's not a major reworking at all. Um, you know, there, there are still the six areas of supporting evidence that we will all be familiar with, and that continues. But uh, yes, they have, they've clarified some things, they've removed a couple of things, and they've also added a, a couple of things in as well, but hopefully not too onerous. The first thing in, in the document is, is refreshing. It's just in the structure of the document. It is, they start with, if you like, the source generic guidance from the GMC is posted at the top. And often all of that trouble you go to for your audit or quality improvement pro- project is just actually a little paragraph from the GMC saying, you know, doctors should regularly review their practice. So that's what it's all about. It then goes down the hierarchy uh, to some more generic advice from the Royal Medical Colleges and then at the end you've got the the college adding its specialty specific advice and that's you know refreshingly in this version running to less than a side of A4 for many of these areas. They particularly at the start pull out reflection and reflection can feel like a real bane um, because it's just such a 
a natural nebulous of yeah and they actually acknowledge that you know there are different definitions and they acknowledge that it's been a real headache for people a real stress and um this dr susie cesari who's the medical director for validation at the college who's authored this has actually you know she she's she wants a war on obsessively documenting <laughs> reflection um she wants to get back to um treating gps as as reflective um, professionals and so the watchwords for reflection are quality but quantity I mean don't get me wrong reflection still is really really key um, reflection is how you demonstrate your CPD credits you don't just you know whack down that you went and sat in a, a course for five hours you do have to reflect on it to demonstrate and get the CPD credits for that for that time so so not interested in those 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 um, certificates no. you get at the end oh of no in fact that's one of the things that's gone don't bother scanning in certificates but perhaps we'll come back to that so reflection is important um, but it's it's about choosing um, examples of high quality reflection it's not about obsessively documenting every new thing that you learn and for instance if you are spending you know a day at a course and you only uh, have one or two new learning points from it and you reflect on those that's fantastic that's reflection for the whole day you can add on your your you know your six hour cpd credits likewise if you know actually most of the learning wasn't new to you but it consolidated what you knew and confirmed that you're you're practicing to the standard that fits with the best practice then you reflect on that and that's equally equally valid so she uses the term you know once you've reached your 60 50 cpd um, credits on average at least for the year you don't have to be uh, obsessively writing everything down and she actually uses a term especially if it detracts from patient care or takes you away from time with friends families and colleagues so a really refreshing grounded approach which you know we hope filters through to our appraisals so so with reflection being being fairly sort of nebulous and a loose term and lots of different interpretations what's do you have any any quick advice on what people can use to help them really na- nail that down if yeah they wanted to? yeah you're right i mean in, in, in its broadest terms it's looking at what you're doing at the, what this new new learning event um says to you about your current practice if there's anything you need to change about your current practice what that is you need to change how you're going to change it and if you're being really smart you might close the loop by moving that on to uh, you know a little quality improvement activity um, because it's it's difficult to consciously do we've actually really tried very hard in our appraisal aid templates on the NHGP website to just gently lead people through those stages of reflection um, so, so some little simple pithy little questions, four or five of those, and yeah, then jot yeah. down. So for, for different sort of um, learning uh, activities, you know, be it reading, going to a clinical meeting, a puns and dens moment, um, or, you know, a case review or during a significant event analysis, we try and take you through sort of three or four questions that just lead you to those reflections. And personally, my appraisal, um, I just upload those documents to the appraisal toolkit that I use I leave a note to my appraiser in the reflection section saying see uploaded document and and they love it so and this uploaded document is is, is the NESGP appraisal aid that's reflection right. yeah, just a copy of that yeah great okay um and what about and the next section they talk about there is is the CPD yeah, so we've talked about, I mean, but again, so basically no, no major changes. It's, it's, uh, it's you demonstrating uh, at least uh, 50 CPD credits across your scope of work. 
Um, one thing that is going, which I, I mean, I certainly already knew about, maybe you have from your appraisers, but the impact credits, the yeah. automatic doubling of your CPD points, uh, if you can demonstrate impact, is being phased out um, from 1st of April. But, uh, you know, d- don't lose heart. I mean, there's still, you know, obviously, if you've done a piece of learning, which leads on to you doing something else or making a change or you know quality improvement activity then obviously the the the, you know the the changes in the learning that proceeds from that the time that you spent on that you you do obviously record um and you know actually if you think about it that's that's a bit more and they actually say this is a more flexible way of being able to record impact so the automatic doubling's gone but there's still an opportunity to build on your cpd credits through really demonstrating impact. And, 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 and the sort of the magic pixie dust almost that does that is, is the reflection. By recording just a few items of reflection on the time spent means you can therefore claim that time spent yes. because you've, you've reproved your yes. reflection on it. Bang, that goes into your, um, your, your, your appraisal toolkit and that's exactly for that. So, yeah, so, and, and uh, you know, certainly my appraiser and appraisers that I speak to, it's the reflection that they're looking at and reflection being you questioning your own current practice and whether there's any changes you need to make and sometimes the answer might be well no I'm I've it consolidates what I learned and I don't need to change anything but you know that's still a reflection um the only other thing and this might not apply to many of us who are locums but if you are um the new recommendation is if you are working primarily in one place of work there's a new best practice recommendation that some of your cpd some of your learning activities should take place outside of your work setting you know with other organizations with other people to avoid professional isolation so 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 not really therefore getting all your 50 hours say by doing online learning or doing in practice meetings which actually wants to get get out and meet people sure sure and so you know you need to be spreading your cpd your, you know your topics if you like across a range of work yeah. but also mixing up the different sort of styles of of uh, learning um you know as you say from personal yeah. online stuff to mixing with others yeah fantastic and experiences okay so that's cpd not too massive changes there but we've talked about um the reflection quality improvement activities and this is really um i think for for sessional gps it's not new in that you know audit the hold the gold standard view of audits being the only thing you can do for qias has been on the wane but this uh this makes the very bold statement really i mean audits only mentioned once and the whole side of a4 talking about qias and there's actually i'm just going to quote this because it's so good um so this is the emphasizing the wide variety of types of quality improvement activities to demonstrate review of practice is emphasized so it will be better understood um and obviously this is particularly important for, for for sessional gps and locums um it doesn't give any examples of what a quality improvement activity is it has done in previous uh, versions of the guidance and there's lots of different sources out there and we've tried to bring our own experience working with our locum groups uh, onto the appraisal aid in the qia area um, we've got lots of ideas there we hope to keep growing them we always hope that members will send us in examples or ideas that they've got 
So no specific examples. It also doesn't specify, you know, numbers. You must do, I think in previous years, it was, you know, two case reviews a year or two significant uh in a significant event analyses a year it doesn't it doesn't specify that that may be suitable for some people it's a rough guide that's that's sort of the level of what's expected because of course some of these QAAs might be very simple and brief it might be a single case review with a colleague some some of the things you're doing might be more complex um, so obviously that the, the briefer and simpler it is perhaps the more you'll need the bigger it is perhaps the less you'll need but you'll need to be showing something about how you review your practice on an on an annual basis um, but the hold the grip of audits um, you know full cycle clinical audit once in a five-year validation cycle has perhaps loosened gone into history and in in the NESGP appraisal aid quality improvement activity templates you've created some um, from on medication reviews on individual and serial case reviews um, and also referrals so if you yeah. want something if you're if you're short of, of ideas or, or, or want to use one of these templates you can just work through it you start they're, they're numbered you go to pick up the template it's numbered usually inside one to ten you follow the, the these points and, and at the end of it um, you've, 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 you've gone through the process you have the evidence upload it to your toolkit job done yeah yeah and um i really hope that works we, we, we as i say we always hope that people that there's no i think there's room here to be creative there is no definitive guide anything that shows that you uh, have have noticed something you've picked up a needle you've learned something new you're reflecting on your own practice and changing and you're showing some way of of um you know measuring or capturing that change and then you demonstrate change is gonna is gonna go down well and there's room for sessional gps to be creative here i think um so please send in your ideas and we'll we'll share them with others and you mentioned with with and you can use significant events as part of qia ah uh, uh, so you, you know this is where um you know you've got to be careful there's this ambiguity about what a significant event is right. in the appraisal portfolio the significant event section and this is something that the, this guidance clarifies they are talking there about sort of what you might call gmc level serious untoward events so a significant event would be something that hopefully um many of us would not necessarily be facing every year if it's been a good year and um so these are these are the serious um safety sort of incidents so that's what that, that's what the significant event means in your appraisal portfolio so your online toolkit your online to clarity, toolkit. so usually you'll be getting something that says i confirm i've been involved in a significant event and then you would have to obviously declare that it's an absolute um uh, it's absolutely essential that you do declare if you have been named in a significant event it's a, a, a matter of great importance that you do that um, and then that would have to be analysed or you sign something to say no I haven't been named this year so that's significant events for the appraisal portfolio there is also this confusion and the, the document seeks to clear it up the confusion around what GPs call significant event analysis which is a sort of a GP learning tool a bit like a glorified case review really where uh, an event occurs something happens might be it positive or negative and you run through the sort of what what went well what went badly what could have been done better and 
that that for this purpose is considered more of a of a, a quality improvement activity more of a case thing. review yeah, yeah so that 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 sort of significant event analysis actually goes in your qia don't be tempted to tick the significant event box okay uh, because the responsible officer might be wanting to talk to you okay okay <laughs> So, so the, the, I, I, it'd be nice if you get to not necessarily have to take that. that that's right. Amazing. I know. I know. I, I was horrified once when I was told, "Oh, you have to have two a year." And I thought, "Well, where am I meant to magic those out of, out of thin air?" But um, so it's there's significant events and there's significant event analysis, two different things. And and it's been made very clear in the document. And again, on 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 on, on the blog that accompanies this podcast, you you you've done a nice little summary. Of that. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I hope it's clear. Um, Feedback from colleagues and feedback from patients, same old thing. Um, in once in every five year validation cycle, you have to do a, a GMC compliant feed, feedback survey for both your colleagues and um, patients. Um, no big change there, but there is an additional best practice recommendation regarding patient surveys. Hopefully this won't involve you doing any extra admin but what's happened is it seems that some of the stakeholders in developing this guidance were patient groups and it was felt perhaps not unreasonably that a potentially a five yearly feedback survey on a minimum of 34 patients for a busy GP seeing lots of patients perhaps wasn't giving patients an adequate voice so um, the compromise situation here is that um, at your annual appraisal you are meant to reflect on any kind of feedback that you've received in addition to your feedback survey. So there's no duty on you to do any additional surveys. This is just about picking up that sort of feedback that hopefully should be available to you anyway. You know, the, the comment, the compliment to yourself or to a practice member, um, or, you know, the card, the thank you card, the letter, um, then, you know, that on informal complaints or just... Even verbally, GPs can just write down if, they, if some yeah. get a bit of verbal feedback, write it down, scrap of paper, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And reflection, of course. And reflection. <laughs> that was the, add the magic pixie dust and it then becomes yeah. Yeah. Uh, something you can upload. So it's just your... showing that you're thinking about that uh, every year between your five yearly cycle. The colleague feedback survey, it just says, obviously, if you're, if you're surveying um, clinical colleagues, then it has to be a GMC compliant survey. But if you are uh, somebody with a portfolio career, other roles that involve non-clinical colleagues who you want to survey, it was felt that sometimes the GMC surveys aren't really up to the job. So if you if there are other good tools or other types of feedback that you want to get, you could get non-GMC compliant um, feedback from your non-clinical colleagues. But obviously for your clinical ones, it has to be that um, yeah, yeah. The GMC anonymized, et cetera, et cetera, survey. Great. Well, thanks so much for going through that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, as I say, Sarah's done a, a whole blog of this, uh, which is in the blog section of the uh, NESGP website. Uh, we'll be emailing members, all our members about it. We've also got a little news article to go with this. Yeah. Uh, and and fantastic. If you if if you've got any wants got any pointers about this, do do go to the blog and you can add comments to that. We'll, uh, Sarah and I will pick those comments up and respond to you there. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just say as well the the appraisal aid um, area. There's lots of there's lots of templates there that guide you through different um, CPD and QAA ideas, and lots of them have 
we'll just need a bit of tidying up in view of this new guidance not too vast changes so still good to go but some of the links to the rcgp we've broken until we update them and um you know if you fancy this this document is actually very accessible and approachable the rcgp guidance itself so if you've got any questions as well as asking us it's 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 not a bad read so um have a look great thank you very much Thank you.